I'm Matt. And I'm Jenna. We are Mana. And this is Food for Thought. A podcast dedicated to encourage and inspire you as you seek to grow your relationship with Christ and live out your Catholic faith. Today we conclude our seven-part series on the seven deadly sins, talking about the sin of lust. Hey Jenna, did I tell you that my wife is on a tropical food diet? No. Yeah, our house is full of this stuff and it's enough to make a mango crazy. <laughs> okay. I can't handle it. <laughs> mango? Mango. As in mango. Welcome to episode 25, everyone. Hello. Wow, 25 episodes. I know. That's We're crazy. a quarter of a century's worth of episodes old. Dang. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I know. You can probably hear we have two babies in studio today. Not just one, but two. two. They're multiplying and we don't know what to do. Please send help. Um, so, um, I'll start with my joy, Junk Jesus. Yes, please. Um, my joy is that this past week at our parish... We had an adult Bible study and a life teen training, and so um, my junk is that it was very overwhelming and exhausting. It took me a few days to recover, but my joy was just the fact that we were able to do it, and so many people came uh, to both events, Um, and my Jesus moment was that at the adult Bible study, there was a woman who was probably in like in her 70s, and she came up to me in the church one night and was just like, I just realized like tonight that like Jesus died on the cross for me. And I was like, wow, like to be like in your 60s or 70s and like finally have that realization. It was just like, I don't know, it was so cool to me to think that like that happened for her tonight for the first time and that it's like it's never too late, you know, for anyone to kind of have that realization of who God is for them. Like, you know, and working with teens, like we're always like, they got to know now, but like to see someone who was like a senior citizen, you know, like recognizing that for the first time was really awesome. Mm -hmm. What about you? My joy is um, <laughs> that that noise. <laughs> My joy is Adelaide. It's going to be really funny if they can't hear any of the baby yeah, stuff and they're like, you guys are lying. You don't have children. <laughs> um, is Adelaide. Just getting to see her smile and interact a little bit more has been so fun. My junk is that this is my last week at home. I have to go back to work, which is exciting and I'm just very, very excited to go back. But... It's going to be really hard juggling a baby and youth ministry and confirmation, so pray for me. Um, but you're doing that too, Matt. So, Well, kind of, yeah. <laughs> since I have Vanessa. <laughs> That's true. That's She's true. doing most of that. Um, and then my Jesus moment was I was standing in line for confession the other day, and um, the woman behind me was 40 weeks pregnant. Oh my gosh. And then we started talking. Um, and it was just really beautiful because we just kind of reminisced about pregnancy and then how excited she was to have her baby and how excited I am that Adelaide is finally here. Um, but I was thinking about how often I walk around with Adelaide or while I was pregnant that I would just have these conversations with people mm-hmm. and how through this gift of life, we connect with people mm. so easily. People just want to start talking to you when you have a baby or you're pregnant. And when you're not pregnant or you don't have a baby, everybody <laughs> ignores you. <laughs> yeah. I kind of miss that personally, but that's just me. Depends. It depends on time. <laughs> um, but I think that's just a really beautiful gift of community that we receive when we have babies and yeah. when we're pregnant. So that was my Jesus moment. Yeah. 
Well, today we are talking about lust. Oh. And it is our last of our seven-part series on the seven deadly sins. Um, we did not save the best for last because none of these are best. But um, we did them in no particular order. But um, I think it's good to, to end with lust because um, I think there are a lot of misconceptions about lust. And I, but I also think it is something that like really permeates our culture and how we interact with each other in like a world of Tinder and online dating and social media and um, you know skimpier and skimpier expectations for clothing and things yes. like that and you know oh just gosh. watch one music video and you'll understand why this is so important i know i know lust is bad babies um so what the catechism says about lust is that it's the inordinate inordinate craving for or indulgence of the carnal pleasure which is experienced in the human organs of generation so what the heck does that mean oh my God. so human organs of generation that's like our reproductive systems um, and it's, they're saying the inordinate craving for or indulgence of carnal pleasure. So it's not to say that like our desire for carnal pleasure is bad in itself. It's to say that there is a way that it can be ordered and a way that it can be inordinate. And when it's ordered properly and when it's done in the confines of a loving marital relationship, that that is part of the way you express your sacrificial love for one another. The way that you renew your wedding vows by giving your total self totally, faithfully, freely, fruitfully to the other person. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it's done inordinately, that's when it can be lust. Yeah, disordered. Yes. Yeah. So, for instance, um, any kind of desire, like say, say you're... <laughs> These baby noises are going to kill me. Um, so say, like, another woman pops into your head, whether you're married or single, and you're, you're a guy, for instance. Um... There's a difference between saying like, oh, that was weird, you know, and even if it is like a sexual thought, like we're sexual beings. And if it happens just like boom out of nowhere, you may not have any control over that. However, if you start then thinking about all of the ways that you would play through that fantasy or that situation, or you're creating that thought in the first place, that's an inordinate desire. So it's not to say that like, even though you're a sexual being and you have sexual desires, you have to completely ignore them and bury them. Otherwise you're being lustful. That is not what lust is. What it is is having control over your faculties in those moments when maybe the passions well up or your desire for sexual or carnal pleasure starts to manifest. You are allowing yourself to take a deep breath, expend your energy in a healthy way like exercise, not anything inappropriate or, um, or sexual like outside the confines of a marital relationship and that you're not subjecting someone else even just in the confines of your own thoughts to your own lust yeah making sure you're not entertaining those thoughts because they they come but like you said um you let them go and you know that you're not going to entertain them there was an analogy that somebody um used to tell me that your mind is a trampoline and -hmm. like thoughts like that come in and you let them just bounce right out Mm. you don't think about them you don't pause on them you just boing out you're done um, and that's the proper way to handle it. And that's yeah. the proper way to address those situations. And there's nothing wrong with your brain. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not actively sitting. It's just how we are created. And those desires come, like you said, Matt. Yeah. Yeah. I, f- I came across a quote online from a blog about lust where a girl was saying, like, you know, I noticed that my dad, he always he looks at other women, but he never looks twice. And so that that's, you know, it's a recognition that, like, I, even though I'm married, like, I can look at another woman and notice, like, wow, that woman is beautiful, 
praise God for her beauty. Like, she's a beautiful woman. But if I'm sitting there thinking about, hmm, maybe I'd rather be married to her or I'd rather go home with her tonight, that's really bad. Yeah. That's when it becomes lustful. Yeah. And so, um, you know, my wife and I will have conversations about like, wow, that person's really attractive or that person's really beautiful. And it could be a guy or it could be a girl. And it's not like this weird thing. It's not like we're entertaining some type of fantasy about that person. We're just recognizing like, like there are times when I tell her, like we meet a guy and I'm like, did you notice that guy's eyes? Like they were like captivating like that guy had like piercing blue eyes like oh i could gosh, not stop does. looking at him like that guy's beautiful <laughs> this person is a beautiful man you know like and we'll talk about that and it's like a funny yeah. conversation but it ends right there yeah. you know and then it's not like you know inappropriate so it's just like because everybody notices that stuff yes but i think like in in the catholic world or the christian world it's like oh we can't talk about that we because it. yeah it's that's inappropriate that's yeah. like you know so that that's kind of the difference. There was, <laughs> speaking of moments like that, I was sitting on the couch with my husband and he opened his Instagram and a very attractive man popped up like he was looking at his profile. Yeah. <laughs> I started laughing because we've had conversations about him before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, Tony, what are you doing? He's like, he goes, uh, I, nothing. He's just a very beautiful individual. <laughs> But the real question is, how long did you look at my profile? Like, <laughs> yeah, we just, yeah. Never mind. We were looking at you. <laughs> no. Thank you for trying, <laughs> for attempting to to help me out there. Um, so, um, this in scripture comes across a lot in the in terms of what we do with our eyes, mm-hmm. and I think. We have to be able to understand that properly or we can have an unhealthy idea of how to respond to lust or like who's responsible for lust. Mm-hmm. Um, so in Proverbs, and I want to recommend again for the final time, every episode of this seven part series, there have been really powerful like nuggets Ooh. of wisdom <laughs> from um, from Proverbs. What? She just pooped so hard. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. I like right when I said powerful nuggets, your daughter pooped. Um, so really powerful pieces of information from the book of Proverbs. And so uh, I think it's just beautiful wisdom for anyone to read. Um, Proverbs is only like what? 30, 31 chapters. Yeah. 31 chapters. Um, you know, you can read it in one sitting or in a week and just like so pray through that wisdom. Read like you. Well, I mean, it's really great cause it's like fortune cookie stuff, you know, like yeah. one line you could pray about like for a whole day. And so it's a really good source for journaling. But anyways, Proverbs 6.25 says this, Do not lust in your heart after her beauty. Do not let her captivate you with her glance. And this idea of like the eyes and what we see causing us to lust, it comes from um, or is reiterated in the Sermon on the Mount uh, when Jesus is speaking in, Matthew's, uh, in chap- Matthew chapters 5-7. through seven. And he has this very famous teaching about adultery where he says, you have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. That's aggressive. I know. And it's like this idea that our eyes are responsible for, you know, the, the idea of, of lust. And so I think sometimes we can fall into this habit like, okay, I just can't look. You know, if, if I even look at another woman, if I have any entertainment for one second of any type of sexual reaction or arousal or acknowledgement of the beauty of this woman, um, then I am completely, 
you know, sinful and in the wrong and I'm committing adultery against my spouse or, We would you know. be an utter mess. Yeah. I mean, we already are utter messes. <laughs> we are, but like even more. Yeah. Because I think we're harder on ourselves than we need to be. We need to recognize the fact that you have sexual desires is good because if Jenna and I didn't have sexual desires the children in the studio would not exist, you know, like, and that's something to praise God for. Like we are built with an innate desire to be in such a relationship that's so powerful in its fullness that it can create new life. That's something to praise God for. That's not something to shy away from or be embarrassed about. However, the world teaches you that like your sexual desires are a gateway or a window into all these different opportunities for you to try and live it out and experiment to discover who you are. And that's where it can become dangerous, that your identity is not in your desires. Your identity is that you're a child of God and that your desires are a part of that. And so recognizing all, all good things come from God and we have a responsibility not to distort them. And so just because you look at someone else doesn't mean that that's a disordered... Um, idea of what lust is. So Matthew chapter six kind of talks about this. Matthew chapter six, it says uh, in verse 21, it starts for where your treasure is, there also will your heart be. The lamp of the body is the eye. If your eye is sound, your whole body will be filled with light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be in darkness. And if the, if the light in you is darkness, how great will the darkness be? And so this comes from like a Hebrew belief at the time that your eyes, it's kind of like the old saying, your eyes are the windows to to your soul. Mm -hmm. The Hebrew people actually believe this. They believe that whatever you saw, whatever your eyes consumed in a sense, whatever came across them, that directly affected your soul. And in a sense, that's still true. However, you have the choice whether or not you are allowing your will, your mind to cooperate with what you're seeing. Uh, and how your body's responding or how you choose to, you know, turn that into something good. And so, but the same thing I think can be said because if it's just our eyes, if it's just like, okay, my eyes, if they see another beautiful woman, I'm going to lust after her. Then the responsibility mistakenly gets put on the woman to tell her, you have to dress modestly. You have to, and it's not to say that immodest, that modesty is bad. Like we should all be modest. But modesty is not about women being responsible for men's lust. That's not what it's about. Um, And so, like, if you're listening to this and you're female, like, you should not dress modestly because you're trying to tame the desires of men. No, even if you're walking around naked, no man has the right to pursue (laughs) you, like, without your permission, to attack you, to... um, look at you lustfully to look at you in any way that's disordered. That's, we just don't, that's, we're participating in a choice to objectify you in that way. Modesty is recognizing the dignity and the beauty that you were created with and clothing that beauty and recognizing that. It's not, like you said, about having to cover up because you're going to cause somebody else to sin. Exactly. It's because you recognize the beauty you were created with and the, like, respect you have for yourself. Yes. So it's just like a temple. Like mm-hmm. if you have a like it says in scripture your body's a temple. And so if we have temples that within them hold the greatest treasure of humanity, the Eucharist or our soul, you know, the presence of God himself in some manner or another, then we want to make sure that we are protecting that in such a way that people are seeing the reverence with which that building was created for. 
you know, what it was created to house. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's not protected, if it doesn't have, you know, secure doors, if it doesn't have, you know, proper adornments to show the reverence that people should have in there, then they could go in there and just be playing like Pi Gao or taking pictures or like, you know, throwing a Frisbee inside the church because it would be just like any other building, you know, yeah. even though you're not supposed to throw a Frisbee inside no matter where you are. But I guess unless you're in an indoor ultimate Frisbee gym. Do those things exist? I don't know. I don't think so. I think we should go into business. I think we just we came up with a one. great idea. Let's do it. Let's end this podcast right this second. Done. Bye. <laughs> and we are going to start an ultimate Frisbee gym. Gym. <laughs> and that's all we're going to do for this for Wait, arm throwing <laughs> machines? That's not a thing. Go ahead. Yeah. So anyways, that's like something that I really wanted to make sure that we pointed out because I think this idea of lust, we can kind of tiptoe around it so much. That it's like any idea, anything sexual in nature, anything that like arouses our passions in any way whatsoever is immediately bad. And I don't think that's the case. I think it's something that we immediately have to be aware of. Yes, that's right. We immediately have to be aware of and we immediately have to like start cautioning ourselves against and recognize like, okay, like what's going on here? Um, What am I... What am I allowing this to do? Am I entertaining this in my mind? Or is this something that I can say, like, actually, God, like, this is good. Like, thank you for creating me with this desire. I know that it's good. Help me to use it responsibly and help me not to abuse it. Or am I just, like, entertaining fantasies in my head and committing the sin of lust? Mm -hmm. That's a big difference. Also, going along the lines of what we consume, um... If we are consuming television and things that we think we can control our thoughts, like if you're watching a t- uh, TV show that has sexual content in it mm-hmm. and you don't necessarily struggle with um, acting on sexual thoughts, those images still are going to be in your mind and they will pop up more often, which could lead you to sinning. Yeah. So the consumption aspect is still there so making sure you are wise in what you consume and um if it is you know good consumption and we don't want to be watching television shows and condoning that kind of um tv yeah you know i don't know there's there's an aspect to that too yeah saint clement he has this quote where he says filthy talk makes us feel comfortable with filthy action but the one who knows how to control the tongue is prepared to resist the attacks of lust and i think filthy talk like you can associate that with like any sexually explicit or descriptive or like any any amount of media or any means of media what am i trying to say any medium of media that has a lot of sexual content, you are consuming something that is filthy. And so you're allowing yourself to be more comfortable with that and therefore you're more prone to make those own choices in your acts Mm -hmm. and the things that you choose to consume in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, There's this great quote by St. Jose Maria Escriva. He said, um, To defend his purity, St. Francis of Assisi rolled in the snow. St. Benedict threw himself into a thorn bush. St. Bernard plunged into an icy pond. You, what have you done? (laughs) <laughs> and I read that and I was like, nothing like that. I am worthless. I am not worthy. Like, I was just like, wow. Like, the saints were people who, they're not people who said, like, I don't lust. They weren't people who said, like, this is something that I never do. But they recognized when lust happens, I have a means by which I can chill or, like, completely resist the passions. So we're going off the rails with the babies here today. <laughs> They are not okay with lust, and so if you're lusting... They have so much to say Our little daughters are like, not me, 
Not me, future boys. So just be aware that there's a generation rising up of people who are not going to take this anymore. Uh, No, but the Saints were radical (laughs) in what they did. They didn't didn't just be... They weren't complacent, and they didn't do just the bare minimum. They did things that would radically knock, like them out of whatever they were doing and try and make it stop. Yeah. Adelaide agrees. <laughs> They're just so chatty today. They are chatty. <laughs> so there's probably a lot of other things we could say about lust, um, a lot of things that we could go into, but I think like the most important thing is to make sure that like if lust is something that you struggle with, try and turn it into a blessing. Like try and recognize like that lust comes from a place that in its very nature and who you are as a person is good. We're making the choice to distort it. And so anytime you have that, not to just say like, okay, I can't, I can't think about sex. Sex is bad. That's never what the church has said about sex. Like read the theology of the body. Like sex is beautiful. It's good. It creates life. But we have to understand it in its proper context and what it was created for. And that there's a reason why we reserve that type of action for marriage because you know, if you're not ready to have kids, you're not ready to get married because that's the confines of marriage is right. where, within that, which that happens. So to recognize like lust is a blessing and a good way that we can prevent ourselves from being um, tempted or falling into lust is making sure we're filtering. What we consume. <laughs> making sure we're filtering what we consume. Exactly. So TV shows, uh, websites, stuff on Netflix or Amazon Prime, like you can go on there, like say you're on Netflix and you see something pop up and you're like, this is not the type of thing that I want to watch. Like this is inappropriate. You can hit the like the thumbs down and it'll disappear and it won't recommend like content for you. And so eventually you can cater your Netflix account to never even recommend those types of things to you because you don't want to consume them. Same thing with the internet. If you don't have a good internet filter, uh, Covenant Eyes is great. I have Covenant Eyes on all my devices because I don't want to... Like, historically, most people, when they first see maybe something like pornography, it's not on purpose. Mm-hmm. Most of us, when we first saw it as kids, were because we learned what Google was and we wanted to Google everything. Googled and, my name. Yes, exactly. We accidentally <laughs> come across something. And if we have internet filters on all our devices... That relax. won't happen. Yeah, that won't happen. <laughs> so, uh, Covenant Eyes is great. You... Um, if you can't afford the monthly fee, you can call them and say that and they'll give it to you for free. That's like a little secret hidden gem. But if you can, it's only like, I think like 13 bucks a month or something like that. Um, and it's unlimited amount of devices, your phone, your iPads, your computers, everything in your home. Yeah. Um, there's also something called Clean Router, which just protects your Wi-Fi connection in general. And you can turn on and off Wi-Fi access at certain times. Like if you're more uh, tempted to look at um, things that might cause you to lust or fall into temptation, with other sexual sins, like maybe you just need to not have access to Wi-Fi after a certain time period, you know? Um, and then if you have kids in the house, like making sure like Gosh, yeah. you can turn that window off. You can change the Wi-Fi password every day, I think, with Clean Router. Um, and then I think on Amazon, there's something called Clean Play, I think. Yes. Um, where you can watch movies that have been, all of the sexual content and language have been edited out for you. Yeah. And so you can watch the family-friendly versions. It's like even better than most TV cuts. I think it does TV. Tea- TV shows too. Yes, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so anything that's on there um, on Clean Play um, is something that I would recommend. Um, And then lastly, pray for your future spouse. Like if you're not married, um, making sure that you're recognizing like your 
your future spouse, whether it's someone you're going to be married to or whether it's Jesus because you're going to be in a religious vocation, like pray for your own heart to be prepared for them, but also that they're surrounded by good, holy people and they're not falling into the sin of lust or people aren't lusting after them. And you're going to have, I think, a better recognition of the, the ripple effect that lust can have in your future relationships. Also, a good thing to remember is if you struggle with, with lust, like you said, um, recognizing that the person, if you are thinking and you're having these thoughts come in, um, the person that you're thinking about is an individual and a person that deserves dignity and respect. Um, they're not an object to be used. So sometimes, you know, we forget that when that's happening and it's just somebody else that we can consume. Yeah. Um, so remembering that when those exactly. thoughts happen. Yeah. And so each one of these seven deadly sins, we've been trying to give you a virtue and a gift of the Holy Spirit to seek after, to pray for. And so obviously our virtue is love. Um, and, and love not in the sense like, I love chocolate. I love kitten. I love puppy. <laughs> I love Instagram. I love life. I love pumpkin spice. Like that's not what we mean. Like <laughs> Thomas Aquinas, see Thomas Aquinas defines love as to will the good of the other. And so a recognition that like as much as I may be desiring something, chastity is what we are called to in every vocation. Like I don't know if you know this, but even in marriage, we're called to chastity at certain points when we're uh, when the woman's in a fertile period in her cycle and maybe you're not ready to have children. Um, mm -hmm. That's some, a time in which you have to practice chastity. Um, and so recognizing like willing the good of the other means recognizing like, yes, we are sexual beings, but there are other ways to express love and intimacy. And I am not just a victim of my desires or my passions that I can control this and sacrifice this for the good of another. If you're single, recognizing like I can set this aside because there's a future vocation for me that I want to be pure and holy and prepared for. And maybe you've fallen into temptation and sin in the past and maybe you feel like you're not worthy of this type of relationship because of the mistakes you've made. To recognize like, you have the opportunity for a brand new clean slate every time you go to reconciliation. Um, if you want to pray for God to restore your virginity, do it. And he will. I believe yeah. that he can heal you in that way. Not just spiritually, but actually physically. Like, mm -hmm. um, And so to recognize like, we, we glorify God because of the ways that our bodies desire sex and we have sexual desires because it points to something good. Mm -hmm. But we don't entertain them in cheap ways. And we don't uh, pursue them in ways that we're not designed to pursue them. We don't treat it like a commodity or a means of entertainment. We lay it down our passions in times of, of when we need to because we're willing the good of, of someone else. Our future spouse, our current spouse, um, our vocation, whatever it is. Um, and then we want to pray for the gift of wisdom. Wisdom is basically knowledge tested through experience. And so you're going to, now that you know, like maybe, uh, and as you know, what are the things that tempt you? you can start to put yourself through experiences that allow you to resist those temptations or be aware of what might trigger you. Um, but the best definition I've heard of wisdom is from Father Mike Schmitz, and he said, um, wisdom is doing the right thing at the right time in the right way. And that's really what the fulfillment of our sexual desires is about. Like, they are the right thing, but we might not be pursuing them at the right time or in the right way if we're falling into the sin of lust. But if we're really pursuing love as God designed us to and sex as God designed it, then we are doing it the right thing in the confines of you know a marriage at the right time when we're married in a time in which we are not professing to practice chastity and in the right way, which is we're doing it in a way that's respectful, not demeaning to the other person, not fantasizing about someone else, like making sure that this is something, an expression of love and intimacy between me and my spouse. Mm, I like that. That's a good way to explain it. I really like that. So 
our saint, if you need some intercession from a powerful saint when it comes to lust, ask for the intercession of Saint Maria Goretti. Saint Maria Goretti is a beast in spiritual terms. She was actually a human girl, not a real beast. Um, but her feast day is on July 6th, and she's one of the patron saints of youth, young women, uh, but also the patroness of purity and also victims of rape because of her story. So she was born in 1890, so she didn't live too long ago, on October 16th, to a poor farming family. And as she was growing up, um, on July 5th, 1902, so she was um, not even 12 years old yet, um, she was sitting outside on the steps of her home, and she was sewing, and her 18-year-old, it's unsure historically if it was her brother or her neighbor, um, but um, his, this boy's name was Alessandro, most people say it was her neighbor, um, he was sewing his shirt, and then he threatened, um, he was threshing beans in a barnyard, and as she was concentrating on sewing, he surprised her and grabbed her off of the steps. I know, this is a really sad story. So why don't you relax for a second, and then I'll finish telling it. Um, so Alessandro basically tried to rape Maria, and then Maria cried that it was a mortal sin and that he would go to hell. Um, which is really interesting to me that immediately she's not like, no, like, protect me. She's like, no, what about your soul? Like, she was acting out of real love for him, even though he was attacking her. And so he persisted. She fought him and screamed, no, it's a sin, it's a sin. God doesn't want it. And at those words, Alessandro began to choke her. And so she said she would rather die than submit. So when he heard that, he pulled out a knife and he stabbed her 11 times. And um, when she attempted to reach the door, he stabbed her three more times and then ran away. So the next day... Um, as Maria was on her deathbed, she forgave Alessandro and said she wanted to see him in heaven, in heaven with her. And she died that next, the next day, um, and she was looking upon the image of the Virgin Mary holding a cross to her chest. Um, just like 12-year-old girl, like not even 12-year-old girl, completely with the purest of intentions for this horrible attack that had happened. Um, and so shortly after her family discovered her, um, Alessandro was captured and he was questioned. And he admitted um, that Maria was, in fact, a physical virgin, and he was unable to assault her. Uh, he was sentenced to 30 years uh, in prison, and he also admitted he had attempted to persuade her to um, accompany him to bed on several occasions before that in the past. And he had even attempted to rape her before. Um, and so just this, this radical love and forgiveness, something so modeled from Maria... In a culture still, like we live in a, a rape culture now where yeah. a, some men feel like they can do whatever they want. They have the freedom to express their sexual desires as ever they, however they want. In fact, most people, regardless of gender, feel like they can express their sexual desires however they want. And yeah. if anyone inhibits them, that's terrible. Mm -hmm. And so what's even crazier about this story is that Alessandro, he was unrepentant for his actions um, while he was in prison until he had a dream that he was in a garden and Maria was there and she gave him lilies and that those lilies immediately burned his hands. And when he woke up, he was changed. Like he realized that he, that she was offering him this gift of purity or recognition of purity, which lilies are a symbol of, right. and that he couldn't hold it because of his, his corrupt view of sexuality and what he had done. And so he repented of his crime. He started living a reformed life. And he was released 27 years later. And he went directly to Maria's mother and begged for her forgiveness. And she forgave him. She said, if my daughter can forgive you, who am I to withhold it? Gosh. Um, and so what's even cooler is Maria Goretti. She was beatified um, in 1947. And three years later, 
uh, June 24th, 1950, she was declared a saint. And Alessandro, her attacker, he was present in the crowd at her canonization. That's cool. Um, he later became a lay brother um, of the Capuchin Friars. Uh, and he lived in a monastery and worked basically as like the receptionist and gardener there until wow. he died. And so, like, what a radical story. Like, about someone who was a victim of someone else's lust, just acting with complete love and wisdom in regards to this person and recognizing, like, I want this person in heaven. And, like, what if we, when we were dealing with temptations of the flesh, when we were lusting after people, had that same thought? Like, I want this person that I'm tempted to think about in an inappropriate way, I want them to be in heaven with me. And I want to be in heaven, too. Um, How would that change, you know, our, our perspective? That prayer... I think, and also, it's the hardest thing when you're in, like, in that position to pray, but the minute you start praying, your your demeanor and your um, mindset automatically begins to change. Not necessarily, like, you're going to stop in that moment, yeah. but it's going to gradually get better, and you're going to be faster about um, reacting to it mm-hmm. and acknowledging, oh my gosh, wait, no, pause, that's... I shouldn't be doing this and and turning into prayer is going to change how you approach it every single time. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, if if you're someone who struggles with pornography like or consuming things that are basically pornographic and like having a very easily lustful mind, um research and and get the help that you need to be able to start recognizing how dangerous that is for your relationships, your ability to communicate with other people, to build strong lasting friendships, mm-hmm. um but also to have like a good healthy relationship in the long run. Mm-hmm. And so if that's something you really struggle with, like I want to encourage you to check out like Integrity Restored, um to check out um um Love People Use Things, which is a podcast um by Matt Frad and he also had a podcast on Integrity Restored. He talks a lot about pornography and the dangers of it. There's a website called the Porn Effect uh, Effect.com. The Porn Effect.com. All science. It's like all scientifically based um, um, research about the detrimental effects of pornography on the brain yeah. and like how um, when someone looks at pornography and it's accompanied by self pleasure, it's like twice as addictive as cocaine to the brain. And like most of us would not be like, sure, I'm going to go to cocaine, but a lot of us are less reticent about the pornographic culture we live in. And so um, there's also a great book called The Porn Myth um, about, you know, all of the different um, dangers and things like that. And so there's a lot of resources out there um, about the pornographic culture that we live in. Um, and so I just want to encourage you in this moment that if you really fall victim to lust, not just in pornography, but also just in relationships, if you feel like you always have to be with another person or you constantly are looking at the physical aspects of someone or maybe you just can't stop giving your phone number to people because you're thinking about all the different relationships that you want to be in. Like there's a lot of different ways that this can manifest. I just want you to take courage and know that like you belong in heaven. Those people belong in heaven. Your sexual desires are not bad. But we have a choice as to whether or not we let them affect the state of our soul. And whether or not that person that you're looking at is going to be in a relationship with you, they're probably going to be in a relationship with someone else in the future. How do you want to prepare them for that? How do you want to protect their heart for that person that they're meant to be with if it's not you? Um, And how much more so do we want to prepare and protect ourselves and pray for the protection of the people that we're going to be in relationships with if we're single or continue to pray for our spouses if we're married uh, in that regard? And so pray for the gift of purity, uh, the virtue of love, the gift of wisdom, uh, and the intercession of St. Maria Goretti. Anything to add? No, that was beautiful. Awesome. So please 
Support us on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. Uh, email us with podcast uh, suggestions or check us out on social media. You can get all of that information and connections to our blogs and vlogs as well on manafoodforthought.com or manafoodforthought at gmail.com is where you can email us. Um, and rate and review this podcast. Share it with your friends on social media. At manafoodforthought on Instagram is our main venue for that. And um, yeah, until next time, we'll see you in the Eucharist. Bye, guys. Bye. Say bye, kids. Oh. Me. <laughs> <laughs>